Coming up on This Week in Games, Disney rumored to make a bid for Nexon. China's Twitch wants to float $500 million on the U.S. stock exchange, and shakeups hit E3's press conference schedule. Coming up, This Week in Games. It's that time of the week for your video game industry news rundown. I'm your host, Eric McConnell, and uh, this was a pretty business-focused week. We are leading up to E3 2019, which starts June 11th, so most of the major announcements will be likely held off until then, but what we do have is some business news and some international question marks, so <laughs> let's kick it off. E3 Pest Conference lineup shakeups are stirring as the big event approaches. So Sony confirmed a few months ago that it was ditching the traditional E3 press conference, wouldn't even keep its like scheduled time event, and kind of was like going to have a non-traditional E3 this year. And that spot has opened up. So that's one of the main prime spots. There's generally like three of them that are considered like the main spots. Um, Microsoft, Sony, and, you know, since Nintendo's left, Ubisoft has taken it. Well, looks like Square Enix has uh, paid enough money to hop right in there. So Square Enix will be taking up the Sony spot. Um, other news, Upload VR has joined the press conference lineup to showcase VR announcements, game trailers, and conversations with developers. Upload VR hopes to be the VR representative at E3. And really, VR has yet to have a dedicated press conference or focus area during E3 announcements. That makes sense. Um, after Upload VR, another new entry is E3's into E3's prestigious press conference lineup will be Limited Run Games. So Limited Run Games is mostly known for physical media. I mean, the title says Limited Run Games, so they'll do like 5,000 like productions of an SNES game or like port some indie game to some platform that no one owns anymore. But Limited Run Games is apparently announcing PlayStation Vita games, uh, a Sony platform that was officially killed earlier this year. So interesting, I guess. I don't know why they're paying for an e3 press conference i'm actually curious what an e3 press conference costs i know it's probably by lineup position and time slot but like does it really make sense for limited run games to have an e3 press conference very strange um i guess we'll find out all right on to some international news the chinese work-life balance fight hits the game industry as 99c.icu points at netties tencent and zimmers Okay, a lot of a uh, lot of like uh, history lesson for those you don't know. China is extremely regulated. <laughs> no surprise there. It's almost impossible to bitch about work-life balance at a giant company that the government is in bed with without getting censored. So pretty much every giant company the government is in bed with. So that's every giant company. This is ironic given the Chinese law article 36 of the labor law in the People's Republic of China says workers should not do more than 44 hours per week. I should also note that if they do more than 44 hours per week, they're supposed to get something ridiculous like 2.5 pay hours, uh, 2.5 times hourly pay for every hour after that. Now, you ask, what is 996? 996 is a poisonous term that stands for working from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. six days a week. And billionaire douchebags that own companies like Alibaba say it's an honor to work 996. And employees that don't believe in that lifestyle are, quote, no brothers of theirs. Well, it's nothing like billionaires telling you to work harder so their value goes up. 
Now, where do devs turn for bitching? I mean, you're just going to get censored. Well, GitHub, of course. So devs are using GitHub's the blog via check-ins and updates about the ac accusations at major companies. And according to Quartz, Tencent's QQ browser, Alibaba's UC browser, and Qhost's 360 browser have all blocked the repositories that are known on GitHub for bitching about 996. Major publishers and mobile companies are getting thrown under the bus, and the response is to censor and block these companies. So, given the creative nature of game development and kind of like the business-related hard deadlines that must align with marketing and publishers, you know, crunch is a tool that will never go away. It kind of has to exist. I mean, if you fuck up, things change, you guys miss deadlines, like, and you have a hard ship date, crunch is the only answer. Like, you're not going to hit that ship date unless you cut out major portions of the game, and you kind of have to weigh that. Um, and you know, in some instances, like I just mentioned, crunch is called for, but blanketly telling people to work 996 and that is, it is honorable to do it is really just lazy leadership and frankly, treat your developers like they're assets for you to exploit. Um, I don't know. Like to me, when I start seeing this shit, it's like, it's not like Chinese talent is stuck in China. Like, it's actually not the most difficult thing for, like, really good Chinese programmers to come over to the United States. And China is just, like, shooting itself in the foot. They've had all this success domestically. People are actually staying in China for work. And then they just keep fucking people over. So, like my next story, you'll see that China may lose more talent to the West. So, the next story, Tencent raises their age for locking gameplay per day from 13 years old to 16 years old. So Chinese players aged 13 to 15 will now be limited to the same gameplay limits as Chinese players 13 and under were previously limited, and they will be subject to a two-hour-a-day limit of gameplay on all Tencent games. So I've already covered this uh, a number of times, but this comes after the government blames video games for myopia and youth, stops allowing games to be released via passive-aggressive licensing, and required Netties and Tencent to heavily limit the amount of the amount of hours miners can play in China. And this is very obviously Tencent going, quote, above and beyond their social responsibility in China to obliterate their domestic market value. Honestly, this is a really bad move for China in general. I mean, their biggest game players will definitely look to the West for big investments due to China's ever-growing limitations on entertainment. It's like... Tencent has a giant pile of money, and there's no stopping them from investing in any country in the world. So if you're going to limit the amount of games they can release a year, bully them into not releasing foreign games, and basically tell them that they themselves have to ultra-police their own users from engaging with their product too much, well, Tencent's just going to go outside of the country, China. Like, I don't, again, I don't get, I get kind of the idea, okay, but what you're doing is you're fucking over your own game market. Like, you went from a non-existent game market, and rem I'll remind you that Switches only just recently got greenlit to be released. I don't think you can buy an Xbox One or a PS4 in China. You don't have a console market to begin with. You just have mobile and PC, and you're the number one market on the planet for video games. Arguably number two, if you count in North America's console, mobile, and PC market together. Maybe North America wins, but... You're like the number one market for mobile and PC games, and you just keep screwing over your own market. Of course, everyone's going to go elsewhere. China. China, get it together. Come on. Come on. People are going to stop learning Mandarin if you keep doing this. <laughs> All right. 
Next up, sweeping bans hit the first round of Fortnite's World Cup. I'm not going to cover this in depth. I just thought I'd highlight it because it's pretty hilarious. So Fortnite uh, pledged $100 million for some giant esports thing. They're going to give away $100 million. So the first round of Fortnite's World Cup, 1,221 players were caught cheating during the first week of qualifiers. 206 of those players were winners of financial prizes, and one of the winners was actually the winner of their own round, like one of the major, major winners, all caught cheating. The bans occurred from things such as teaming, which is a term for players who are in solo queue who decide to team up and group together and basically like form impromptu teams, even though they're supposed to be solo queuing, all the way up to people using cheating services that show the locations of every other player around them. So quite a wide range of cheating. Epic, if you're going to give away $100 million to prop up Fortnite as some kind of like impromptu esport, you got to get this shit on lockdown before you start the competition. Come on. Come on. Also, solo queuing is not an esport. Like, I just, I'm sorry, but like, the, the incentives just aren't there for solo queuing. Like, it doesn't even make sense. I don't really get it. It's so random. I don't know. Like, does the best person always win if you just took 100 players and put them together? It doesn't make sense to me. I don't know. I'm not a I'm not an esports expert, but Blizzard, uh, Epic, get it together. All right. Interesting business news for the week. This is where things get interesting. So first off, Douyu, Chinese, China's biggest streaming platform, files for a 500 million IPO float. So China's Twitch is looking to float $500 million in the U.S. stock exchange. Float means kind of like offer up enough shares that add up to $500 million. Douyu is backed by Tencent and is the largest streaming platform in China and hosts to nearly five times as many active users as its U.S. counterpart, Twitch. Also, I want to put in, Douyu is floating $500 million on the U.S. stock exchange. Tencent, I think just last year, put in $638 million or something into Douyu. So Douyu... I don't know what their market cap is, but it's got to be in the billions. So the fact that they're only offering $500 million in the U.S. stock exchange is like pretty much n- not a giant offering, I guess. The most interesting thing about Douyu, though, is its finances. So they're producing losses of $127.4 million in 2018 and $91.3 million in 2019. So uh, ever-growing losses every year. <laughs> and Another interesting aspect is 86.1% of their revenue comes from virtual gifts purchased during live broadcasts, with the rest coming from revenue sharing and ads. It's a pretty far cry from Twitch's ad-dependent platform. You know, Twitch makes almost over 50% of its monies from ads. Uh, I think purchases that they offer, like the loot boxes and other like exclusives in the games, is probably like nothing. And then other things like getting cuts of like sponsorship deals is also probably like nothing. Everything's probably ad based on Twitch. Very interesting. 86% of their revenue is virtual gift purchasing. Now, I find it very odd every time I see a major Chinese company float on the U.S. stock exchange. Outside of stealing money from U.S. investors, why would a government back and Tencent back Chinese company do a public float on the U.S. stock exchange? Like... Tencent's going to give them whatever amount of money they want, and the government is clearly in bed with any media or streaming company in China. So why would they float on the stock exchange? It's not like they need U.S. allies. They could do that privately and not publicly, and it would honestly make more sense. 
And every time I see something like this, I'm reminded of a documentary I saw. There's a documentary called The China Hustle on Hulu that was made by the same people that made Enron the smartest guys in the room. I highly recommend it in situations like this. It'll very much so explain my kind of thoughts on things like this more so than I can get through in a very quick summary of the game industry business news for the week. All right, next up. Let's get to the big story. Disney rumored to be making a bid for Nexon. The Korean Herald is reporting Nexon boss Kim Jong-Joo was approached by high-ranking Disney executives on acquiring the firm. Uh, backstory for everyone who doesn't know, Nexon CEO Kim Jong-Joo owns 98.64% controlling interest in Nexon, which could be worth anywhere from high eights to over $13 billion. So somewhere in that range, uh, depending on how you evaluate the company. Nexon announced earlier this year that Jungju was looking to sell his entire stake in the company. Bidding was rumored to start in April, and interested buyers have been a who's who of game publishing. Um, the list currently is Electronic Arts, Activision, Tencent, Amazon, and Comcast, with a long, along with a local consortium led by Netmarble. Disney's an interesting one. It's another big uh, kind of person that's come along that's been interested in this. They're kind of similar to Comcast, in my opinion. So... If I had to guess, their main interest in buying this is Dungeon Fighter Online from... A, so I read an analyst by... I forgot which analyst firm. It, I don't think it was Super Data. It might have been someone else. And they listed PC estimated PC revenue for all of 2018. And they actually had Fortnite listed as fifth. And they had Dungeon Fighter Online as the highest grossing game in all of PC for 2018. So that's fucking insane. And with Dungeon Fire Online showing no signs of continued revenue domination, these companies are basically paying for a consistent digital cash flow, as well as the massive amount of users that Dungeon Fighter Online and Maple Surrey possess. So that's where I can see it. Like Disney could just buy this company and then blanketly say like, oh, we grew our digital, you know, multimedia or digital entertainment or digital games revenue by whatever amount. They have a giant amount of users who are now open to seeing uh, offloading on to Disney games or advertising Disney media or other things. The negative thing is I still can't tell whatever black magic Nexon is using to have these two terrible looking old games still dominate revenue wise. And with Nexon basically failing at every other single development or publishing venture, I'm pretty wary of anyone that's paying full price for Nexon as I have like a eerie suspicion that it's not all what it seems like dungeon fighter online looks terrible it's not a great game maple story was great if it was released in 1991 the fact that maple story is still pulling in numbers blows my fucking mind i i just i don't know maybe i'm not in it with those crowds but like i i truly find these numbers hard to believe and I just think of funny math being done in finances. Like, I don't believe it. How can MapleStory and Dungeon Fighter Online be worth $13 billion? I have no fucking clue. Like, I don't know why anyone would pay that amount for this company. And what are you going to do? Like, I have to imagine most of those users are in China and Korea. Like, what's Disney going to do with a bunch of Chinese and Korean users when, you know, in China, you can't even get games released. Not even HTML5 games can get released without licenses. They're clearly not handing out foreign comp foreign made game licenses. And in South Korea, like, you know, the market is pretty like uh, local in that, like, if you make a Western game, 
probably not going to do amazing in South Korea unless its name is League of Legends and maybe Overwatch. So, I don't know. Very weird. We'll have to see where this shakes out. I'm curious to see who buys Nexon. I'm curious to see, you know, like six months to a year later what they're going to do with Nexon. Like, what do you do with Nexon once you buy it? Because everything else after those two games are just utter failure. All right, last story of the day, um, another business story. Keywords acquires WizCorp. WizCorp being a Japanese HTML5 developer for $1.1 million. So $1.1 million, million is pretty cheap, uh, but it is an HTML5 developer. Keywords has been pretty much on an acquisition chair, trying to spend the $88 million in credit lines that it's gotten over the last 12 months. So pretty weird story if you ask me. WizCorp is an HTML5 work-for-hire dev shop that has made games for Line, Square Enix, Bandai Namco, and Yahoo Japan. Interestingly, Keywords is looking to both use WizCorp as a, quote, in into the Japanese market and as a shop to make games for Snap's newly minted game platform, Snap Games. So that's the story. Now here's my take. I have no clue what Keywords' goal is, but it looks like they're using the same a uh, batshit crazy strategy that THQ Nordic's using, which is to invest in such a wide breadth of markets that nobody can correctly value what the fuck your company is worth, and therefore you can raise even more money in your next round. And then you just keep raising money and keep like doing this strategy until you convince people your company's worth billions. Like I don't, what what the hell is this? Like I don't I don't get this. There's a lot of companies that are raising money. And just mass acquiring these smaller companies for like, you know, one to three million. But what do you do with all these small companies? Like, what does keywords do with, you know, like a bunch of tiny, mildly or even like slightly successful mobile and HTML5 web companies? Clearly nothing. It's not like you can aggregate them all together and make one super triple A company. So I don't know. We'll have to see. I mean, THQ Nordic and Keywords are two companies where, again, I have no clue what the fuck they're doing. They claim, like, great shit every year. People keep giving them money. Something. I'm missing something. They're not releasing massive hits. They're not releasing games that are, like, pulling in revenue. So, again, weird, but uh, we'll have to see. All right. I'm Eric McConnell. That's it for this week in games. Come back next week, and uh, we'll do it again. Take care. Bye.